Hello and welcome to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Life on the line. Kansas currently has a so-called right to abortion on the books, but on August 2nd, voters will have an opportunity to change that. We're joined by Kansas Senator Roger Marshall to discuss how the Value Them Both Amendment will have national implications in the contentious abortion debate. Views on abortion. A new poll shows that most Catholic voters want limits on abortion, but concerningly, just 9% of those voters believe that abortion should be illegal through all nine months of pregnancy. Our Washington Bureau Chief here at EWTN News, Matthew Bunsen, and Washington Bureau Chief for Real Clear Politics, Carl Cannon, join us for analysis. Mississippi's last abortion facility. The abortuary at the center of the Dobbs case that ended Roe v. Wade has shut down in Mississippi, but its operators are opening a new facility in New Mexico. Mark Cavalier of Southwest Coalition for Life joins us to explain how people in New Mexico are reacting. We're days away from Kansas's primary elections on August 2nd, when people in the state will vote on the Value Them Both Amendment. As we covered in detail last week, if advanced, the Value Them Both Amendment will do away with the so-called right to abortion currently on the books in the state and restore power to the people through their duly elected representatives to enact laws that will save babies from abortion. Joining me now in studio is Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas. In addition to serving as a United States Senator, he is also an OBGYN who has delivered over 5,000 babies. Senator Marshall, thanks so much for joining me today. Prudence, glad to be here. I can't wait. We got a great topic for folks. Yes, absolutely. And I want to talk to you about the Value Them Both Amendment. You know, everybody is looking to your state right now to see how this vote is going to play out. We're hearing that it could go either way. What are you thinking? What are you hearing from Kansans about this? Well, it's going to be a close vote no matter what. And that's why it's so important people go out and vote yes. And let me, I can just share why, why I think they should vote yes. yes. If you value the life of moms and babies, you should vote yes on this amendment. A no vote on this is a vote for late-term abortions in Kansas. As you know, and, and you've shared with your audience before, is that our Supreme Court has decided to, out of de novo to make a constitutional um, uh, right to an abortion in Kansas so they would have unlimited abortions. Um, it was an obstetrician myself for almost 30 years of my life. I delivered a baby most every day. I fought for life uh, in the delivery room, in the emergency room, the halls of Congress. And now it's time for your listeners to go out and vote and support life. So please go vote yes for Value Them Both. Yes. And Senator, if we look at how this, you know, right to abortion was invented in Kansas, it's because two abortionists in the state were advocating for it and brought it into the court system. But is this really what Kansans want? Is this what they adver are advocating for right now? You know, it's not. Uh, I think that Kansans value things like family and faith and community, and they certainly value them life. Um, I, I don't think you're going to find a handful of Kansans that would support late-term abortion. I think most of us believe we were taught in Sunday school that life begins at conception. You know, very clearly the Bible says we're all fearfully and wonderfully made. Right. God made each one of us perfectly in His image. We're not perfect, but He made us perfectly as, as well. So no, uh, the, the current situation does not represent the values of Kansans. 
Kansas. Kansas has become a destination for late-term abortions through the years, and this Supreme Court ruling has made it even worse. Yes, and you just recently penned an op-ed at Fox News where you talked about how the abortion industry is really lying to women and to the people in general, especially when it comes to conflating abortion with things like treatment for ectopic pregnancies. Can you just speak a little bit about what you wrote in that op-ed? Yeah, I, I would love to. You know, we were all taught in residency the first week don't let the sun set on an ectopic pregnancy. Mm. Ectopic pregnancies will become life-threatening if left alone. Um, so just like before, before Roe, after Roe, after Dobbs, we're going to take care of people with ectopic pregnancies and miscarriages. So many of your listeners know someone or had a miscarriage themselves. It's, it's a very common uh, condition. Every week I took care of people with miscarriages. I think that's one reason I've learned to value life so much is when you see people have that taken away from them right. in pregnancy. Like why, why are they so emotional about this if this is not a, a real human being to them as well? So doctors are going to take care of people with ectopic pregnancies, with life-threatening conditions, with miscarriages. That's all fear-mongering. It's another myth, another lie by the radical woke left. Thank you so much for clearing that up, Senator. And, you know, American mothers are still struggling right now. Formula is expensive. It's, it's hard to find. I know that you've been working on something about this in the Senate, uh, the WIC Healthy Beginnings Act. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, we'd love to. So WIC was a program that I used, again, every day as an obstetrician. I would see 20, 30, 40 pregnant women every day. And WIC is one of the few federal programs that works great. They help nutritious supplement. And essentially what was happening is WIC said you can only get formula A. And what we worked on is expanding that in these shortages. You know, a woman goes, you encourage everyone to breastfeed if they can, by the sure, way. I think sure. that's very important. <laughs> uh, but if you can't or if you're weaning your, ch your children, go into formula. We want to be able to use those WIC dollars as well. Uh, and it, and it's, a, it's a bipartisan issue. Very pl uh, proud to work with, uh, with Senator Gillibrand on this issue as well. WIC is a great program. Those folks do so much more than just nutrition. You know, they're just kind of an extra person in, on, your, on the side. These Especially single young moms going through pregnancies appreciate everything that the WIC folks do for mm. us. What an exciting initiative. Thank you for bolstering that and standing up for it. Thanks for all that you do for life. Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas. Thanks, Prudence. We now bring you an update on how the legislative tussle on abortion is playing out in a few different states. The recurring theme is that state legislators are trying to advance pro-life policies now that they are out from under the thumb of Roe v. Wade. But activist judges, city leaders, and media personalities are doing everything in their power to try and stop them. Joining me now to unpack it all is Stephen Billy, Vice President of State Affairs at Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. Stephen, thanks for joining me. Let's kick it off with Kentucky. I understand there are two pro-life laws in that state that are now being blocked by a Kentucky judge. So what needs to happen for these laws to go into effect? Well, thankfully in Kentucky, we have an incredible attorney general, Daniel Cameron. He is a strong leader, uh, strong pro-life leader in that state, and he's going to continue to fight for those pro-life laws. And it's incredible the judge there um, is trying to read into their state constitution a right to abortion. He's also made the claim that the, the view that life begins at conception is a religious view. Um, it's incredible that he would ignore the science behind that. Charlotte Lozier Institute, uh, their scientists, their doctors are we're rebutting that, putting out the information. You know, when you follow the science, life begins at conception, and we need to protect each and every one of those individual babies. Right. Very interesting. And shifting gears to North Carolina, the state's attorney general in that state is not pro-life, like Daniel Cameron. He has refused to enforce a 20-week limit on abortion. What's going on there? Can you tell us more? 
Yeah, so the, the people in North Carolina elected their legislative representatives and, and got a 20-week ban passed and, and put into law. And the federal, a federal court under the Roe regime blocked it from going into effect. And what the pro-abortion attorney general in North Carolina said is he's not going to go request that injunction be lifted. Even though with Roe gone, there's no basis for that injunction anymore. Babies at 20 weeks who can feel pain, who are going through painful late-term abortions in North Carolina, uh, their attorney general is not going to get that injunction lifted to protect those babies. And instead, he's going to allow the North Carolina North Carolinian's voice to be silenced by an injunction that shouldn't be in place because he's not going to take any action. So unfortunate when his job is literally to enforce the laws in the state. Uh, Stephen, I also wanted to get your brief thoughts on this article I came across in the New York Times. It's written by a woman who has created a database called Abortion on Screen, where she tracks instances of characters in movies and TV shows killing their babies by abortion. She says that Hollywood needs to embrace telling bigger, bolder abortion stories. What are your thoughts on this? Wouldn't it be incredible if Hollywood spent more time and effort uh, sharing stories about how women can be cared for, that we can stand with them through unplanned pregnancies, and in their time of need, we can provide them support yes. so that they have the will that, to carry their babies to term, to, to start their family, to have their child and love their child? All the things that pro-life leaders are doing across the states to stand with women that we should be championing, and instead, uh, Hollywood, you know, would rather continue with this culture of death and highlight the instances where where babies are being killed as a solution to a problem. That's never the right solution. And there's so many examples of how, as a community and as a country, we can come together and stand with mothers. And pro-life states all across the country are doing just that. Mm. That's what we should be highlighting. So true. And Stephen, I also have noticed that you are no longer working for SBA's research arm, the Charlotte Lozier Institute. You are now the executive director um, or I'm sorry, the, the vice president of state affairs at SBA Pro-Life America. Talk to me very briefly about that transition and, and what your focus is going to be moving forward. Absolutely. So my replacement comes on to CLI on Monday, and we are thrilled to have her, uh, Nicole Wilson. Very excited for her to be joining the team over at Scarlet Lozier Institute. I've transitioned over to the state team in the moment we're in. Um, we want to replicate the success we've had at Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America at the federal level, being involved in the politics and the policy making. We want to bring that to the states. Uh, we know that Planned Parenthood and their allies have hundreds of millions of dollars. They are going to attack pro-life leaders. Uh, they're going to try to you know, use state courts or ballot initiatives uh, to block pro-life laws, block the protection of unborn children. And we expanded our team to meet that demand, to meet that fight, so that we can be in it and stand with pro-life leaders across the country, help them advance policies to protect life, help them advance policies to stand with mothers in their time of need, um, and make sure that we're meeting uh, the battle in front of us. Because overturning Roe was just the end of the beginning. We're in a whole new stage of the pro-life movement, and Susan B. Anthony, Pro-Life America, we're ready to meet that challenge. Well, we're so excited for you, and we'll be praying for you in this new role, Stephen, and the whole SBA team. Stephen Billy of SBA Pro-Life America, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Prudence. A new poll released by EWTN and Real Clear Politics reveals that while the majority of American Catholic voters want some limits on abortion, just 9% of them hold the view of the Catholic Church on abortion, that the killing of unborn children in the womb is gravely evil and never acceptable. Catholics who participated in the poll were asked a number of questions about American abortion policy and how it relates to their faith. The results convey that there is much confusion among Catholics when it comes to church teaching on abortion. 
abortion. Pollsters also found that similarly to Americans in general, Catholics in our country don't understand the extremism of Roe v. Wade or what current laws on abortion are now that Roe v. Wade has been overruled. And joining me now via Skype for analysis of all of this is Dr. Matthew Bunsen, our EWTN News Executive Editor and Washington Bureau Chief Carl Cannon at Real Clear Politics. Thank you both so much for joining me, gentlemen. Matthew, I want to start with you. The Catholic Church informs us that abortion is the preeminent moral issue and that we must pray and work to end abortion. From your point of view, what are the reasons that Catholics in our country are confused about this clear teaching? Well, as our poll found, 65% uh, of uh, all Catholics across the board uh, believe that uh, abortion conflicts with Catholic teaching. 25% uh, uh, say that it doesn't, and a significant number, actually 10%, uh, aren't sure. Uh, when we look at that number, then, we're talking about about 35% of Catholics either think it doesn't uh, conflict with church teaching or aren't sure. That's a, a sizable group of Catholics. We can derive some confidence and some uh, optimism out of this in some ways, because when we look at, at that important statistic of Catholics who go to Mass on a more regular basis, I'm talking about what I call weekly plus Catholics, uh, compared to those who go monthly to yearly or those who less than yearly or never, 77% of weekly plus Catholics recognize uh, that abortion conflicts with Catholic teaching. Now, that, from our standpoint, of course, is terribly low. But it tells us that the more engaged Catholics are with Mass, with the sacraments, and with their faith, the more likely they are to understand where the Church actually stands on the question of abortion, not that that has ever been called into question. Right. That makes a so lot of in sense. Terms of the, the, yeah, the, the confusion that exists uh, is a failure, then, we can see in catechesis, in formation. And this cuts across so many other categories that we've been polling now for several years, uh, including belief in the Eucharist, how often they go to confession. So it this taps into, I think, a much wider problem that we have as a church in terms of formation and actually helping people understand what the church teaches. That's on us to correct. Right, right. And Carl, some good news here, Matthew was just speaking to this, is that a strong majority, 82% of Catholics, believe abortion should be limited to some extent. But why do you think there's such a large discrepancy between Catholics who want abortion limits and Catholics who want to end abortions altogether? Well, you know, there's a, a long history of, of Roman Catholic politicians telling the American people, um, you know, my, my Catholicism is my faith, but if I'm elected, um, I won't, you know, I, the Pope doesn't tell me what to do. I'll be the people's representative. It starts with John F. Kennedy. Um, and it goes through President Biden, the second Catholic president, includes Nancy Pelosi. And so you have you have a group of people, Mario Cuomo in New York, mostly Democrats, who are pro-choice. And they, they'll say something like, I'm pro-life in my personal life, or they have some thing. But th there's a lot of Catholic Democrats out there who don't, who sort of, it's a fuzzy message that they're getting. They don't, they think you can be a good Catholic and still be on this one issue, kind of deviate from the orthodoxy. And it, it's, a, it's a mixed message they're receiving. So I don't, I, I don't know that these voters are behaving irrationally. Matthew thinks that the, the church has to do a better job of educating, and that may be true. But, but there's, you know, one of, one of our two great major political parties is, is kind of we're trying to fuzzy the issue deliberately. And I, I, don't, I don't say that in a pejorative way. I just think that, you know, they're uncomfortable with it. But they don't want to get against the party, and they don't want to against the church. So they sort of 
sort of elide around the issue. Right. And it's no question then that these Catholics are confused if leaders who, you know, claim that they're part of their church are saying something contrary to what the church teaches. And Matthew, this poll also reaffirmed that some Catholics, along with most Americans, don't understand the extreme abortion policies that existed in our country because of Roe v. Wade or what overruling that case actually means. 47% of Catholics believe that Roe should have been upheld. Now, with Roe gone, can you speak to the importance of clarifying what this decision means as something that should empower Catholics to speak into this issue more? Well, that's right. This, this poll, I think, uh, gets to the heart in many ways of the contradiction that exists among many Catholics. As you note, 47 percent of Catholics think that uh, Roe should not have been overturned. 42 uh, percent believe that it should have been and everything sent back to the states. And yet we have, as you noted, 82 percent of Catholics believe uh, that uh, some kinds of regulation should be imposed on abortion. Uh, we can look at the individual numbers as to uh, where they stand on that, on, on the individual ways of regulating abortion. But that's really important because it tells us that uh, so many Catholics don't actually understand what Roe did, which was to unleash uh, an abortion regime on the United States that is essentially unfettered. So for Catholics uh, at this point to where we are with Roe, as we're seeing in this uh, Kansas referendum, this is an, an important opportunity uh, to teach, but also to, as you note, to speak into this issue in our culture. And the yes. way we do that uh, is on the local level, it's in our families, uh, reminding people about what Roe actually did. From a crass political standpoint, uh, that's an important message as well, because when people begin to understand what Roe actually did, here we are 50 years on, uh, the levels of support for Roe drop sharply. Uh, so again, this is uh, an important moment culturally uh, as we head into uh, not just the, the midterms, but also as we're moving now into this post-Roe era. Right. That education is so important now more than ever. And Carl, let's briefly touch on those midterm elections Matthew just alluded to. You know, given the results of this poll and the contentiousness of this debate across our country, how do you think abortion legislation and jurisprudence is, is going to impact voters leading into the elections? Well, you know, that's a good question, and we're not sure. The Democrats think this, this issue is going to help them. Uh, they, they say overturning Roe v. Wade took away women's rights, and they're pressing it hard in the campaign trail. I've not seen any data in this poll or other surveys that shows it, it moves the needle much. I think Catholic voters are actually more concerned about, you know, the, the economy and other issues, uh, social justice, attacks on 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 the church. We we this poll also found that Catholic voters are intensely concerned about. Well, you know, the curriculum in schools and, and what and that they want to have parents want to have some say in it. And Catholic parents were um, big on that. But but to your this precise question, you know, this this issue now does move to the states. And I, I'm old enough to remember when uh, the opposite. I grew up in California and Ronald Reagan signed a, a bill liberal liberalizing abortion. And in those days, uh, Republicans were for it. And the Democrats, especially Catholic Democrats, were opposed to it. Mm. And the Catholic Democrats in Sacramento and some of the bishops warned Reagan what would happen. They, Governor Reagan said, well, it, there's just this, you know, it's the health of the mother. And they said, that's a loophole that will result in millions of abortions. Reagan didn't believe them. He felt later betrayed by the pro-choice side and became an ardent pro-life politician, even though he wasn't Catholic. And so now this, now, now it, we're going back in time. The, the conversation goes to the states. 
And what Matthew's saying is that these debates are going to be held, you know, in local parishes and in counties, but also in state legislatures and um, states across the country. We won't end up with the same laws, but it's going to be a time where um, pro-life Catholics can explain to people what the not just what Catholic teaching is, but what the law now, what the law allowed under Roe, what they think it should allow in the future. And I right. think you'll get, I think you'll get more compromise than you've had in the past, but we'll see. Yes, very interesting. It's important to look at the history on this. Thank you both for your insights on all of these findings. Dr. Matthew Bunsen of EWTN News and Carl Cannon of Real Clear Politics. You're welcome. It was a pleasure to be here. Coming up, we address false narratives by the left claiming that the end of abortion will put cancer patients in danger of not receiving the treatment they need. I speak out. Plus, the abortion facility at the center of the Dobbs case has closed its doors in Mississippi, but now they've relocated to New Mexico. We have the details after the break. Welcome back to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. In yet another absurd take, the left is claiming that women who have cancer may not be able to be cured because now they don't have access to abortion. That is this week's Speak Out segment. The abortion movement is taking advantage of their stranglehold on the media to try and convince women of bold-faced lies that don't even make sense. For instance, they are now suggesting that abortion is a legitimate treatment for cancer. A recent New York Times piece argues that women who need chemotherapy won't get it because it could harm their baby in the womb, who they can no longer abort due to new laws that protect that child's life. Why would the New York Times care about how chemotherapy affects an unborn baby when they have no problem supporting pro-abortion claims and ending the life of unborn children? The abortion lobby should stop insulting women and start encouraging them during crisis situations. They're ignoring the very first question that many mothers would likely have in situations like this. What's the best thing for my baby? The pro-abortion movement wants to destroy families and pit women against their babies. They're saturating the media sphere, so now, more than ever, we need to be thinking one step ahead of them so we can debunk their ridiculous claims and show women that they are capable of raising their children, who have every right to live. Jackson Hole Women's Health Organization lost their Supreme Court case against the pro-life state of Mississippi when Roe v. Wade was overruled. Now they're crossing state borders over to New Mexico and opening their doors under a different name. But they're in for a rude awakening. Pro-life New Mexicans led by Southwest Coalition for Life just moved in next door to where the new abortuary will be to provide life-affirming care to moms and save babies. A spokesperson for the group, Mark Cavalier, issued a statement saying, New Mexico is now becoming the back alley abortion clinic for the entire state of Texas. But the people of New Mexico are taking a stand to say, not in our backyard and not on our watch, because women deserve better than abortion. Joining me now via Skype is Mark Cavalier himself to explain more. Mark, thanks for joining me. The owner-operator of the Jackson Hole Women's Health Clinic is a woman named Diane Durzis. She clearly wanted to move quick to find a new home for her abortion business. Why did she choose New Mexico? 
So the state of New Mexico right now, uh, abortion remains completely unregulated up to the moment of delivery for any reason at all, even for minors without parental consent. Uh, we have leadership in the state of New Mexico that is actually promoting this, uh, this idea of kind of what's becoming abortion tourism, doing anything they can to encourage uh, New Mexico as a destination for the nation uh, for anyone who is seeking abortion. And uh, we're quickly seeing the number of abortion businesses in the state of New Mexico uh, triple from five to over 15 coming into our state, possibly quadrupling uh, based on some of the information that we're hearing. And uh, the people of New Mexico are, uh, you know, while we celebrate, you know, the overturn of Roe versus Wade is a big leap in the right direction. Uh, we have a lot of work to do in the state of New Mexico still. Sure. And I know you hosted an event this month near the place where this abortion clinic is planning to open. Can you share about the announcement that you made at that event? Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we've been very honored to partner with the Guiding Star Project to offer a really full-spectrum uh, holistic women's health care and in the El Paso, Texas area. And we felt obligated that knowing that there's a lot of confusion right now uh, around the future of women's health care. And this is a really important opportunity for us to be right at the front lines and the, kind of the, the epicenter of all this that's happening, especially now that the Jackson Women's Center is coming from Mississippi after the overturn of road, now renaming themselves the Las Cruces Women's Health Organization, kind of under this banner of women's health. So we saw a building that was for lease right next door to this future site of now a surgical abortion center coming into Las Cruces, which is the city of the crosses, is the meaning of the name. Mm. And uh, we knew that we needed to be there to offer uh, authentic women's health care right next door. Yeah, what a beautiful name and sounds like a good solution. Uh, Mark, you alluded to this just a moment ago. Right now in New Mexico, abortion is legal through all nine months. Do you anticipate that changing in the future? Is there a pathway for some pro-life legislation to get through, or are we looking at another New York or California here? Unfortunately, New Mexico is going to be a very tough challenge. Um, the, it's, they have a supermajority in the, the state politics that are supporting abortion and doing everything they can to protect it. Uh, anticipating the overturn of Roe, they recently removed uh, you know, a pre-Roe ban on abortion in New Mexico so that it can continue now uh, unregulated. This is exactly what they wanted. And so uh, we really are looking at a situation where we need a lot of work, uh, especially at the local state levels and through charitable efforts and you know, Sydney ordinance type efforts uh, is really the only approach we have for the foreseeable future. I see. And what do you anticipate will be the biggest challenge for your group specifically in the coming months with opening this new pro-life center and this new abortion facility opening nearby? How, how can our viewers help New Mexicans and your group? Well, we need a lot of support and prayer right now. You know, this is a now opening a, a second medical facility that we're really striving to have a full licensed medical facility, uh, you know, doing doing a lot of additional services beyond pregnancy help center services uh, to really bring in that full spectrum of care with midwives and, um, and, you know, doulas and lactation consultants so that we, so that every woman who chooses life knows that we're gonna continue to journey with you and walk with you throughout motherhood. Um, and so, uh, you know, Anything they can do to support right now opening this new location is a huge blessing for us. Yeah. Well, we'll continue to pray for you, and we encourage our viewers to do so as well. Thank you for fighting the hard fight in New Mexico and, and standing up for, for the vulnerable. Mark Cavalier, Thank CEO you. of Southwest Coalition for Life. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. 
You can also send us a message by emailing ProLifeWeekly at EWTN.com. We love to hear from you. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless. Thank you.